0: Morning. This morning's reading will be from Lamentations 3 verses 19 through 24. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, The Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him." Here on this uh, last Sunday of 2017, I know a lot of people are thinking about uh, the excitement, the gift of a new year. And uh, when we talk about that, we tend to talk about New Year's resolutions, don't we? I've heard some person define a New Year's resolution as something that goes right in one year and out the other. I was looking at a few things people were posting about some of their New Year's resolutions, and my my favorite one that I came across was a person who said, I decided that in the new year, I need to do more reading. And since I wanted to read more, I decided, therefore, to turn on the closed captioning on my television. So, (laughs) one way to change without changing, right? Well, in thinking about this last year, um, I thought it might be worthwhile. I've got a brief video clip just highlighting some of what were considered to be the top 10 news stories of 2017. So if we can play that video, I thought it might give us something to think about. It's hard to believe that that much has happened just in the last year, isn't it? A lot of big news stories, a lot of things you could unpack and spend more time dwelling on, thinking about and talking about. And I was thinking about, uh, you know, our nation and the world and everything that we experienced in the last year. But, you know, another thing I was thinking about was what uh, we as a congregation were doing a year ago. In fact, it was just a year ago that we were having a really big celebration that we had just finished finished paying off the mortgage uh, on this current building, and so uh, it was originally a 20-year mortgage that I believe we paid off in about 12 years, and uh, what a great day of celebrating it was. I've also learned uh, the secret to boosting church attendance is to offer Rudy's barbecue. I think we had 475 uh, that morning show up. Can't do that all the time, but that's fun every once in a while. But uh, yeah, we had some big things as a congregation that we were celebrating uh, in the last year. But then there have been a lot of different kinds of changes. We've had some new people move here and join us. Uh, we've had some people that we've known and worked with for a long time who we've either lost uh, to death or some who've just uh, moved away to another place. But uh, you know, the world is always changing, things are always changing. So thinking about our nation and about our church, I also wonder about you and your family. When you think about 2017, what are the big events that you would make as your own highlight reel? Uh, Maybe you as a family have gone through some significant losses, and in fact, even as you maybe got together with some family for the holidays the last few days, maybe there have been some certain people that you've especially been missing and, and thinking about. Maybe you're able to have more to celebrate because you've had some unexpected blessings fall into your lap, and God has been extraordinarily good to you this year. There's a lot of different things that we could think about and remember in a year's time. But here at the end of 2017, as we're kind of looking at the beginning of a new year, I thought it might be worth taking some time to look at two significant events that occurred in the life of Israel, two events that they would have paused to think about and to reflect on. One of those was the construction and completion of the temple, Solomon's temple, the first temple that they built. In total, it took something like 20 years to complete the temple and the palace together, And for them, the temple, it wasn't just a matter of a a physical accomplishment. It wasn't just a matter of building a building. It was also part of what that temple represented for them as a nation. For one, that they really had arrived as a nation. They had gone from being slaves in Egypt to being liberated, just kind of a nomadic wandering people, But, but now they've got land of their own, they've got territory of their own. And under the reign of King Solomon, it was the greatest amount of territory that they were ever governing. But Israel had arrived as a nation. It was a time of peace. It was a time of respect where they had people from all over the world coming to seek Solomon's wisdom. Uh, They were proud of themselves as a nation. And so they worked hard to build this temple as a place that could house the Ark of the Covenant, the symbolic indwelling of God's presence among them at all times. I was looking at what a massive project this was. You know, not even counting the cost of of the cedar. They loved building with cedar boards because of the nice… smells and things they would build with cedar. They had bronze, but just the cost of the gold and silver in the temple, you want to know how much they spent? Converted to modern ratios, it would have been about $216.6 billion to build that temple. Indeed, an enormous project as a nation. They would place the Ark of the Covenant there. And it was quite fitting that on the occasion of the temple being completed and then moving the Ark of the Covenant into the temple, King Solomon got up to say a few words and talk about the greatness of the occasion. And it's really a beautiful speech there in First Kings chapter 8. He kind of walks through all their history, all the ways that God has been good to them. He talks about the way his father David had wanted so much to build a temple and how now they've completed it, they've done it, the very thing that his father had dreamed about and then he leads this prayer, and I think it's, it's a very healthy prayer to think about at the turn of the year. In 1 Kings chapter 8 and verse 22, it says, Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in front of the whole assembly of Israel, spread out his hands towards heaven, and said, Lord, the God of Israel, there is no God like you in heaven above or on earth below. You, who keep your covenant of love with your servants, who continue wholeheartedly in your way. You have kept your promise to your servant David, my father. With your mouth you have promised, and with your hand you have fulfilled it, as it is today. I want you to notice that of all the things he could prayed about, the thing he's quickest to mention in reference to God is the way that God honors his covenant of love. Not that God has only loved us occasionally or occasionally thought about us, but God has made a covenant with His people and that His love is unconditional and ongoing. Solomon is able to truthfully stand there and say, we are the recipients, those who've been blessed by this covenant of God's love, God's loving nature. If you keep skimming down through this text, you'll see this is a very mature prayer that Solomon is offering it's also clear that he understands the nature of human beings and that even on this great occasion when everyone's really just happy about the celebration and the temple, he reminds them of a few other things, specifically that as much as we like to say we're going to be faithful to God forever, we're all still going to have our shortcomings. Everyone sins some of the time. So as he's praying and asking God to bless this, this new temple, these new things that have been built in the kingdom, he pauses to pray about several other things if you read through there, you'll see him praying about justice for those who are weak, that this would be a nation that is just. And then he starts anticipating all the ways things could go wrong and says, well, Lord, you know, when we've been defeated in battle, and the reason that we were defeated is because we've been sinning against you. At that time, when we turn back to you, please hear our prayer again. And Lord, when we see the heavens dry up and the water quits flowing and we see drought in the land or even famine in the land, and it's because of our sin, then Lord, when we finally repent and turn back to you, once again, Lord, please hear our prayer. Lord, when there's a foreigner who's heard about the greatness of our nation, who decides to move here to learn about the true God, the God of Israel, and they live among us, Lord, even though they're not one of your people, we want you to hear their prayer also when they come to your temple and they pray. And finally, with an extended section, he says, And Lord, when one day we might even be captured by an enemy, dragged out of here and taken into captivity because of our sinfulness, because we've turned from your ways, when we repent, when we finally turn back to you with all our hearts, Lord, please hear our prayer. So they build this enormous, impressive structure. And he has a way of putting everything in perspective. It's a great day of celebration, but he doesn't want them to forget how easy it is to fall away or how fragile it is our walk with the Lord and how seriously we have to take it. Uh, I just love the soberness of of 1 Kings chapter 8, verses 27 to 30. Listen to what he says. He says, but will God really dwell on earth? Standing next to this, you know, $216 billion temple that they just built. Will God really dwell on earth? The heavens, even the highest heaven, cannot contain you, how much less this temple that I've built. Yet give attention to your servant's prayer and his plea for mercy, Lord my God. Hear the cry and the prayer that your servant is praying in your presence this day. May your eyes be open toward this temple night and day, this place of which you said, my name shall be there, so that you will hear the prayer of your servant, praise towards this place. Hear the supplication of your servant and of your people Israel when they pray toward this place. Hear from heaven, your dwelling place, and when you hear, forgive. So on this grand occasion, he has a good way of reminding us that it's great to have victories. It's great to have success. It's great to feel secure in a material sense and in a national sense. It's great to have big buildings and big accomplishments. But he says all that really matters is that in the end, we're still walking with the Lord. That's the thing that will continue to sustain us. That's the thing that will continue to keep us strong. It's in God's covenant of love that we have to continue to put our hope, not just in this economy, he says, certainly not in this building that we've built. God can't be contained in something as small as that. But we remember God in His covenant of love, and we continue to trust that even when we fail again, we keep seeking Him, and He'll keep forgiving us, and He'll keep making a way for us. So this would have been on what they would probably consider the greatest day in their nation's history. That's one occasion to think about near the end of a calendar year. I want to look at another significant time in the history of Israel that came about 400 years later. Incidentally, they would consider this the absolute worst day of their national history. This was the day that the temple, that same beautiful temple, was completely destroyed. Even from the time that Solomon had been reigning, even his own children, the next generation couldn't manage to keep the kingdom together. They had this beautiful kingdom. By the next generation, it had split into north and south. Eventually, the north fell, and then several years later at this time, around 587 B.C., the southern part of the kingdom fell. Jerusalem was completely conquered. The temple was destroyed, and all the people were taken off into captivity. All the things that Solomon had anticipated— and if you read through the book of Kings, it's honestly a pretty depressing study. I mean, you've got a couple of positive highlights. You've got King Josiah. You've got King Hezekiah. They both tried so hard to do the right thing and to turn people's hearts back to God. But, but most of those books and the records of their kings, it's, it's like a broken record. Over and over and over again, a new guy got into power, sometimes through treachery. And as he seized power, all he cared about was maintaining power And he was crooked, and he chased after false gods, he chased after foreign alliances, and he just wouldn't focus on the Lord and what it was that the Lord could provide. So eventually, the people did lose that beautiful temple. They were driven out of the land just the way that Solomon remembered and and anticipated that that could happen. One of the most uncomfortable, sad books to read in the Bible is the book of Lamentations, and so it's appropriately named. The book of Lamentations is one that we don't, you know, for that reason, typically spend a lot of time in, but this is a book that's written on that very sad occasion in their national history. I wanted you to take a look at the structure of this book. Uh, The first four chapters of Lamentations are what are called acrostic poems, so it's kind of like if you took every letter of the alphabet, they have 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet, and each verse begins with a sequential letter of the Hebrew alphabet, so there's 22 verses in each of those chapters. The third chapter is the most significant one because this is an acrostic poem, but instead of just one verse beginning with one letter of the alphabet, they do three verses per letter. So it would be AAA and then B, 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 and C, C, C. Uh, the, fifth, the fifth poem in this book is not an acrostic, but it still is 22 distinct sections. But when you see something like this, it was very common in this culture for them to, to like to use symmetry as a way of showing importance. So as we look at just a couple of passages from Lamentations, I want us to see that everything is really driving not just towards the end, but especially towards that middle chapter and what's said in the very center of that chapter. But it begins with this sad picture of Jerusalem and what has now happened to what had once been a beautiful city. Lamentations chapter 1 and verse 1, I'm going to read just a couple of verses to give you a picture of what most of this book is like. We believe it is Jeremiah who writes… How deserted lies the city, once so full of people. How like a widow is she, who once was great among the nations. She who was queen among the provinces has now become a slave. Bitterly she weeps at night, tears are on her cheeks. Among all her lovers there is no one to comfort her. All her friends have betrayed her, they have become her enemies." After affliction and harsh labor, Judah has gone into exile. She dwells among the nations. She finds no resting place. All, her pers- all who pursue her have overtaken her in the midst of her distress. Again, a very sobering, sad picture to think about the greatness of that day when they completed the temple, what that meant for the faithfulness they were intending to have to God versus just how far they had fallen in their history. So there's a picture in chapter 1 of kind of the the outside view. Uh, Chapters 2 and 4 look at some of the inside view, inside the city. What is it like being in a city like this where everything is just suddenly gone or fallen apart? Uh, For Israel, we can think about what it means to have all your sources of security taken away from you. All the things that they had formerly been proud of, we're a strong nation, we're a wise nation, we're a respected nation, we have material resources, we have a military, all these things they put their confidence in were suddenly taken away from them, and all that they had left was the promise of God's ongoing, unending love. And there's that question we have to ask, is that still enough? You know, there are so many things in life that we're tempted to put our confidence in. I mean, we're talking about big things here, but even smaller things that we notice along the way that let us down. I know I've had the experience several times in my life of that thing I thought I really needed to buy, how, you know, almost as soon as you get it, it's not as great as you thought it would be. You know, can't wait to get a really, really nice television only to discover there's not much worth watching on television, (laughs) you know, those kinds of things. Um, Maybe you've had that experience of buying a really expensive smartphone, and a couple of years into it, all of a sudden, your battery just won't charge anymore, and you start reading those articles about what they call planned obsolescence, which is a very detailed strategic way that the phone companies are going to rip you off, right, as as your device is intended to stop working after about three years. You know, those are small, silly things, but there are a lot of bigger things that people put their confidence in. I've had the sad experience of watching some people in life, good people, who've had to get down to this same state where, you know, they had savings and they had insurance, and then to have something happen in their life where they get to a point where they've, they've spent all their savings, and insurance has paid all that it's going to pay and sent them a letter that says, no, we're not going to do any more. Now this is your problem. When it gets down to that place where God is all that we have, the love of God is all that we have, is that enough to carry us through and give us what we need. The most important section of this book of Lamentations is, I would argue, at the center of the book. Uh, when you look at poetry that's, that's got symmetry to it, it's kind of forming a bullseye towards the middle that it wants us to pay attention to. So, in the very middle of the longest poem there in chapter 3, in the middle of the book, we get to this significant section of Scripture. In Lamentations chapter 3 in verse 19. It says, remember my affliction and my homelessness, the wormwood and the poison. I continually remember them and have become depressed. Yet I call this to mind, and therefore, I have hope. In the middle of that destroyed city, in the middle, right next to a fallen temple, he says, because of the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish, for His mercies never end. We're still here. God has still kept us here. He still brought us to this point. God's mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will put my hope in Him. So thinking about these two great occasions, significant occasions in the life of Israel, when you think about the dedication of this beautiful temple and even at the destruction of that same temple, there's a common theme that shows up both in Jeremiah's laments, but also in Solomon's prayer, specifically the steadfast love of the Lord. God's covenant of love, as Solomon calls it. It's the thing in which we've got to root our lives. It's the thing that can carry us through the worst of circumstances in any circumstance. The steadfast love of the Lord is what we hang on to. He says the mercies of God, even sometimes when we struggle, we trust again that the mercies of God will be new tomorrow. They're new every morning. His faithfulness is great, and there's that challenge to get to a point in our life where we truthfully say, God is my portion. The thing that I need, the thing that I want for myself, the thing that I'm going to hang on to and trust in is the Lord. It is God and His unfailing love. The Lord is my portion. That's what I say. That's what my soul says. Therefore, I'll put my hope in Him. So as we think about beginning a new year… I think for most of us, we're not at either of those two extremes of Israel. You know, we talked about a really good circumstance and a really bad circumstance, but as you think about your own life, I would invite you to pause for just a couple of minutes and think about what it is that needs to stay the same and what it is that needs to be different. Have you undergone some kind of experience that's forcing you now to think about a new normal in your life? What it is that's going to be normal for you now that things are different? Have you enjoyed some great recent blessings or promotions or opportunities that you need to keep in perspective and be faithful with as you've been given these opportunities? Are you just trying to figure out what comes next for you and and make sense of it? In all these circumstances, it's it's the love of the Lord that can carry us through and give us wisdom. Uh, I want us to pay attention to Lamentations chapter 3, just a few verses down from that passage we read in verse 37. He speaks of God's total control, absolute power, but also of His love. He says, Who can speak and have it happen if the Lord has not decreed it? Is it not from the mouth of the Most High that both calamities and good things come? Why should the living complain when punished for their sins? But pay attention to verse 40. Let us examine our ways and test them, and let us return to the Lord." If you could make any resolution for 2018, what it is that you're gonna do next, what it is you really need to start today or tomorrow or every week, is to do the same thing. To examine our ways, to spend some time to pull back and think about what it is you've been doing. What is it producing in your life? Examine your ways and test them. Am I really happier now that I've been chasing for another year after this thing that I thought would give me happiness? Am I really finding happiness? Test and examine your ways and figure out for you what it looks like to return to the Lord more than you have before to turn to the Lord, to return to the Lord, and put your faith and confidence in Him. This morning, if you have some special need, something that's weighing on your heart that we could pray for you about as we're getting ready to begin a new year, Uh, If you've just got something you need to get off your chest, if you wanted to make a real commitment to God right now to to be restored to Him or to commit to Him for the first time in baptism, uh, if there's some need that you have, this is a time we've set aside uh, so that we can support each other as a congregation. So if you have a special need, we invite you to come forward while together we stand and sing.